Hello, this is Dr. Daniel Dalmonte. Welcome to another episode of Culture Cast. It is February 5th, Saturday night, the first Saturday of the month. And thank you again for tuning in. And the larger theme that we're moving through in the series of podcasts, which hopefully you've been following, is to move from the Enlightenment into postmodernism. Um, postmodernism is what we're in now. And I like the phrase, um, going upstream. It's a good metaphor for thinking about our culture and our public discourse, the debates we're having as a society about things that involve all of us, not just things that affect us as, an indiv- as individuals, okay? And I read a great article demanding that we have an honest adult conversation, we as Americans uh, need to tune out the noise. We, if we let our conversation be driven by uh, much of the media, it's going to turn into a bunch of sound bites and platitudes and divisive, angry rhetoric. Um, these people are more interested in entertainment. It's more about propaganda. Um, they can't be allowed to drive the conversation because we have some very serious problems that we're grappling with. You know, it looks like maybe we're going to be in World War III. Maybe we already are with this virus. But, you know, you have um, our government, much of which is corrupt, trying to um, make Ukraine part of NATO, which would trigger uh, Putin. And now Putin is allied with Beijing and the CCP. So that would bas- basically be have the recipe for World War III. So, you know, we really need to... Uh, sit, look each other in the eye and get serious and not be driven by these um, ridiculous people on TV. So today I want to continue with that trend and we need to understand that what we're talking about and the trends and the, and the changes that are happening are rooted in uh, profound ideas. Okay, so uh, a study of philosophy will show you the roots of um, what you take for granted and what you understand only on a superficial level. And once you get to the roots of the idea, then you can really move forward in your understanding and into debate. You can be really um, strong in your debate and also you can move forward to a resolution. Okay? So, uh, like I said, we're in the postmodernist period. And this is a period where it's undermining any kind of single worldview, any kind of what they call a, a totalizing worldview, a worldview that pretends to account for uh, reality in a, in a universal way. And for the postmodernists, there's actually a, a plurality of views. And... We can't ever say that one view is the correct view. For the postmodernists, in fact, language constitutes reality. We create our own reality uh, by uh, you know, establishing categories of thought, and we use language in a way that carves up reality at the joints, and our reality is a constructed reality that would vary from 
culture to culture and even from person to person, okay? So another part of postmodernism that's very important and, and, and is at the root of, a, of, of very powerful movements in today's society and th that are actually maybe destructive or they need to be steered in another direction because we have to see the good in, in other people's viewpoint. Other, you know, the, the, the viewpoints that we may disagree with you know, may have a lot of value. So you, you have to be charitable and to be able to see the, uh, <clears throat> the roots and the goodness that is driving the other person. So a big part of postmodernism is this, this idea of the other. Okay, it's part of their jargon, um, the other, also, also known as alterity, A-L-T-E-R-I-T-Y, alterity. It comes from the Latin alter. Um, it just mean, it's, the, it's the root for alternate, to, to, to change, to, um, to be different. Right, so the, the other, or what is alterity, is part of postmodernism because it's looking at whatever is marginalized, whatever is excluded from the dominant narrative. So you cannot have a full account of reality in some ideology or some religion, um, some philosophy of life that is fully exhaustive of reality because there's always an other. There's always another culture. There's always some marginalized group. We have to be diverse. We have to realize that our way of seeing the world is not the exclusive and dominant way. So this gives rise to multiculturalism. The idea that we have to be sensitive to other perspectives. And you have uh, cultural and ethnic studies and gender studies. You know, the proliferating on camp college campuses where... These are departments devoted to the study of the perspectives of African-Americans or women and seeing history from the perspective of African-Americans. Okay, so this is um, the idea of alterity. Um, the idea is that we cannot find in this alter reality um, the ability to reduce it to the categories of our own understanding. It's not going to make sense to us because of the, our limitations. We, we see this other and we don't understand it and it doesn't fit into our worldview. Uh, if you know Kant, you'll, you'll recognize, and I think as the origins of the, in the idea of the, um, the noumenal, um, where uh, the noumenal is foreign to the structure of our sensibility. Um, it's something that is independent of uh, the way our sensibility is affected by objects. So the noumenal is what we can only think about. We cannot experience it. And so in a way it is other, although it does conform to the structures of the understanding, the sensibility cannot um, access what is noumenal. It can't figure in our, in our, day -to -day, our, in our, in our everyday experience. Um, or, or any experience for that matter, any possible experience. So we have this idea of the other, what is foreign to our own um, categories. And this idea of the other is really driving a lot of this 
uh, discussion about diversity. Um, you know, you hear it all the time, right? What's, you know, the word diversity is constantly repeated and it's, it's constantly put forward as an ideal uh, that we have to be inclusive and we have to um, welcome uh, all people. And, uh, well, this comes from postmodernism. And the idea is that you have to keep expanding your umbrella of people and groups that you're including and the white male the white male is responsible for a certain set of of values that try to be universal but actually they're very uh, parochial and we have to welcome keep welcoming a new set of others welcoming into the system uh, women and then uh, people who are gay and so on and so forth. And again, there's a very good uh, impulse here of you know, being welcoming and, and recognizing our common solidarity and the dignity of each person. So um, you, know, you see, but, but what happens is, 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 is it multiplies. Um, and so you have uh, feminism, which is embracing the other, um, you know, uh, this group of people that um, could not find a place, could not get their voice heard in a, in a world dominated by white men. Well, the feminist made some gains, but then uh, you have a third wave feminism, which accuses the feminist of um, not caring enough about race. Uh, the third wave feminists say that you, didn't include, you don't include race. You, you're only about white women. And so now we have intersectionality, where it's the idea that there's intersecting identities, uh, intersecting um, networks of oppression, uh, not only your sex, but also your color, and then other things, okay? And then you have the idea that um, we're being too Eurocentric. Uh, you know, we're thinking in a way that is driven by uh, European values. And again, the postmodernist says those are not universal values. And so we have to welcome the values of other cultures. You see this in some of the, 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 the comments of Pope Francis, who seems very um, wary of evangelization, um, uh, of the claim that Catholicism is the one true religion and that we should spread it and share it with other people. Uh, and you, know, you really have to, in his view, be very careful and to try to be more inclusive. And you know, he, he brings in this Pachamama little uh, statue and they actually have a ceremony uh, related to it in a kind of a scandalous way uh, in the Vatican. So this is, um, but where is this coming from? It's coming from postmodernism. You have to respect the other. So you may not understand the um, Pachamama doll from a Catholic perspective. That's not God, that you can't worship that, that thing. Um, but that's because you see that as other and you have to kind of try to embrace that other, okay? So, um, but as I said, it just keeps multiplying. And so there's a, um, a comment from this uh, very well-known theorist, uh, Judith Butler, and she mentions this um, embarrassed etc. Okay, so there's an embarrassed etc. etc. period when we talk about not discriminating. 
okay, of being diverse. Uh, we want to be diverse and inclusive towards whom? People of different races, people of different gender, genders, people of different gender identifications, right? People of different um, abilities. So we don't want to be ableist. So, and then you have to add an et cetera because you never know uh, which group you might be excluding. There's always another group that might, that might emerge. Okay, there, 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 there's always a new group that's coming forth that is claiming to be other and not included in the um, set of, of protected um, identities. Okay, so um, now this is the, um, co- the core of identity politics. Okay, and so, you know, this is the uh, style of politics where you make your decisions based upon your, um, your sociological identity, um, you know, your race, your gender, uh, your, uh, your ethnicity, all of this determines uh, your politics. So um, I, I heard this comment uh, online. There was a young woman and she was from California and she was saying that she's a, a brown woman and she therefore is obligated, she's obligated to uh, support Kamala Harris. Okay, so, so it's like, that's identity politics. That's your group. You must um, support your group. Okay, um, so there's a kind of paradox, though, because identity politics tries to respect the other. They, they, it wants to um, bring the other into, um, into the fold. So, hey, uh, you're a brown woman, um, then you should have your own, um, you should have your own uh, political party and your own, your own representation and you should stop being underrepresented. So bring them out of the shadows, okay? Um, and so th- there's, there's something uh, positive about that, right? We, we want people to have a voice. We want people to, um, to participate in the democratic processes. Uh, so, but what happens is that there's a, there's a paradox. And I was reading this theorist and he was saying, identity politics actually uh, reduces the other into sameness. So it takes the other and then creates a separate group. And so it homogenizes that group and it actually removes the other by this process of homogenization, all right? And so you, you go from being the other to now being the same. You're part of this single homogenous group that now has its own um, set of grievances, and so it does not. It doesn't really promote tolerance. What it does, it, it hardens you in a certain sense of sameness. You're part now of the same group, and so now you have this um, uh, intolerant agenda. All right. So it's the totalizing theories that marginalize the other. So here's again this word totalizing. You are trying to make a full. Um, account of reality, and in doing so, you—it's like a battering ram against the other. You try to assimilate the other to accept what you think is right. Okay, and so there's a kind of paradox in identity politics where it tries to create tolerance, but then it becomes intolerant. Okay, 
and so also, and there's, it's never going to reach a, reach a terminus because um, you form one identity and then it misses another identity. So, the, so it's like feminism formed an other and it made it the, made it the same. So it became this interest group. Um, and then um, from that, from the feminists split off another other um, who were people of color, women of color. And so it just... It's like, like this, um, this inherently unstable process. Okay, so um, now, again, let's go upstream. And I think this whole idea of alterity and the other is rooted in this brilliant, um, uh, this brilliant uh, passage in the work of Hegel. Okay, that's his last name. Um, George Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel was a great German philosopher of the 18th century or so. And uh, he wrote The Phenomenology of Spirit in the fourth chapter of that great book is a discussion about the Lord and the bondsman, or otherwise known as the master and the slave. Okay, so this is a, uh, a discussion of how we become self-aware. How do we come, become self-conscious? Okay, so this is, the, this is about the development of a, of a mature consciousness where you are aware of yourself um, as a separate individual. And... Um, it has to do with this dynamic of self and other, where you have yourself and then you encounter the non-self. And through this interaction of the self and the non-self, um, you develop your own self-consciousness. Okay? You, you, you mature. So think of like a child, okay? Is a child aware of itself as a separate individual? Or does the child think that only it exists? Uh, that it is the center of the world? Okay, it's probably the latter, where the child believes that, you know, not, not explicitly, but implicitly in his behavior or her behavior, that only its consciousness exists. And it takes time for the child to realize that other people also are conscious and aware and they have needs and desires and separate, separate ideas as well. And that the world is a lot more complicated than just the um, desires and needs of the, the individual child. So the idea of the master-slave dialectic is that we become self-conscious through other people. And we need other people. We need to recognize the other and have to have and have the other recognize us to become truly self-conscious that we start to realize that we are a separate self okay um so how does this work well in the master slave dialectic you have two separate consciousnesses consciousnesses coming to conflict okay so they both see each other as threats and really it's i don't think it necessarily has to be read as a as a fight. 
it just really just two minds um, encountering one another for the first time. And there's a sense of mutual threat because it's not, it's not a fight, but because the idea is that initially in the primitive state, in this immature state of consciousness, you see yourself as the measure of all things. All right, so your mind is just the truth. It just tells you the truth about things and your mind is really all that's there. And um, it's your judgments and your desires that really matter. And there really is no other um, consciousness. Uh, your mind is the standard of truth and you're just kind of moving through the world as a free agent and there's really no other uh, check on your activity. So uh, the feelings and desires of this individual consciousness represent to it an objective standard. So what it perceives is the truth and it's the exclusive truth. It's a totalizing narrative. Okay, this is the um, full truth. It's totally transparent to reality. What happens though when this consciousness meets another consciousness? Okay, so it's like the child finally engaging with another person. All right? What happens is that the individual consciousness which first which initially took itself as the like the king of the king of reality is now facing another mind and the other mind has independent standards. Okay? And independent desires. It's other. It's, you know, it has other ideas and other perspectives. And so what happens is that this recognition of another mind causes the individual to relativize itself. It realizes that it's not just a transparent window into reality. Its ideas are not just the automatic truth. It is not the exclusive uh, arbiter of what is real and what is not because there's another mind. The other mind has to relativize your own mind. So the child realizes, hey, I want the cookie, but someone else does too. And so I'm not just this, um, like a god. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not um, uh, moving through reality as the only person around. All right. Now, some adults are like this too, where the, you, you talk to them and it, it, they think that they um, are the only people who exist really. Uh, this is like a criminal mentality where criminal just gets whatever he wants or she wants and uh, doesn't care about the consequences. All right, so um, consciousness primitively sees itself as a godlike measure of truth, but a self-consciousness, you become aware that you're a distinct, finite self and you're relativized by other individuals. And so this struggle um, uh, leads to this realization, oh, I have just a limited perspective on things. So I want this, but someone else does not want that same thing. And so we have to kind of come to a compromise. And what I desire is not always necessarily good. And what I think is not always necessarily true. Okay? So we have a unity in duplication, um, this is Hegelian speak. It's kind of ambiguous and vague. But I think the idea is that we unify 
our own self-consciousness by the duplicate, by this, it's like a mirror, like it's like looking in a mirror and we see this other person and they reflect ourselves back to us. And so um, what happens is that actually in Hegel, we assimilate the alterity. Uh, you know, recognizing the other leads to our own self-recognition. And so um, what the postmodernists want to do, though, is to have multiculturalism, where there never is an assimilation. Okay? Um, there never is this um, bringing to the fold of under one universal truth, because there's always just the other. There's multi, multiple cultures. Um, so, um, the self-consciousness in seeing the other, uh, for the first time, views itself as another. So that for the first time, you stop seeing yourself as just this uh, exclusive king of reality. Now you see yourself that you yourself are just one person. And you yourself are an other for somebody else. Okay, so you yourself are not uh, the exclusive and sole reality because to someone else, you're just um, you're just a uh, uh, a stranger. You, you're to, to the other person. Your needs and desires are not primary because they're thinking about their own needs and desires. Okay. Um, So this is a process um, where you have a development of consciousness and uh, you move from this initial state of being independent and self-contained. That's the primitive state where you're just, you see yourself as alone and you see yourself as uh, not bound to anything else. Uh, you know, your desires represent the absolute truth about the world and your desires are all that matters. You are the measure of all things. Okay? So if you want that cookie, then the cookie really should be yours. And that is the truth about the cookie, that it's something that you want. Okay? And um, What happens, though, is that over time, through the recognition of the other, um, self-consciousness manifests itself in the realization that you're not the center of the world, okay? So initially, you see yourself as not part of any kind of existence. You see yourself, you're not really a separate thing. You're just, you're, you are the world, Okay, that's how a child thinks. This is the world. Not, but as you, as you mature, you realize, no, you, you're, just, you're just part of the world. Okay? You are, um, you are not independent. You are limited by things around you. Okay? So initially, again, you're just, you, you're not tied to any particular existence. 
you are simply, you are the world, okay? Um, someone who's very, very narcissistic thinks this way. But as you mature, you realize that you're just one person. You just have a fragmentary grasp. Uh, what you want is not necessarily the ultimate truth about things, okay? So, um, just going back to identity politics, and, and so you see how this idea of the other and how, how you know, you gain your own um, self-awareness through the other, through the encounter with the other. Um, so what happens is that, you know, you, the white male realizes that he is uh, limited in the encounter with the non-white male. And it, as I said, it, it multiplies. So each individual group splinters off as it becomes itself uh, relativized by an other that was within it. Okay, so to have an identity, you must have um, difference. So it has to multiply itself because to form the identity, you must be different from something else. So the feminist form from the males, and then there's splinter groups within the feminist, uh, and then further splinter groups um, so, uh, you have the trans movement. So you have some trans women who say that they are, they're, 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 they're women because they identify as women and that creates another conflict. Um, and so it just goes on and on because to have an identity, you must have a difference. And so it's always this perpetual struggle of relativizing yourself in the encounter with another emerging, emerging identity which in itself is um, trying to assimilate itself. Um, so it forms a new group, um, and then that group uh, splinters. Okay, so you have uh, uh, multiculturalism. You have the end of any kind of objective moral code because uh, that's, to that's totalizing. That, makes, uh, that creates a narrative that is exclusive. And so... Um, What happens though is there's a uh, there's a kind of uh, I just want to close close on this point about identity politics. Um, you know, it it doesn't go all the way. It, it, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a uh, a stage. So what happens is that uh, an identity forms in the encounter with the other. And then what happens is that this identity itself um, has not yet encountered the other. And so it, it is, has not yet matured in its consciousness. Okay, it's still a master. Going back to Hegel's parable. It's a master in that it sees itself as having the exclusive window onto truth. And so these um, groups split off and they harden. And in fact, what happens is that they have a kind of master mentality where they have not yet encountered the other because they, they are the other. And they kind of appropriate this tendency of the white male to totalize.
so that the feminists split off and then they themselves kind of imitate the white male by claiming for themselves to be the, the object of truth. So the feminists say, okay, now we, ha- we have the truth. And so what happens is that they kind of become a kind of white male in, the, in their desire to totalize. And then inevitably a splinter group comes out and says, no, 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 we are now the other. And then they solidify and calcify and they try to become the new white male. All right, so uh, you're going to get perpetual resentment and uh, intolerance with this um, uh, scheme, uh, this scheme for, schema for understanding um, po- politics. There needs to be a way out of it. How do we uh, respect human dignity uh, regardless of who, who they happen to be um, without having um, endless recrimination? Okay, so I hope this was illuminating. I hope you do some further reading into the Lord and the Bondsman. Uh, it's, again, it's, it's very uh, difficult reading with, with Hegel, but um, it's, it's, it is um, rewarding. And so uh, now you see the roots of um, this uh, movement around diversity. Um, we see that it's uh, something that's uh, pretty deep and to really engage with it and to find some kind of progress, uh, we need to understand the, the origins. So hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Hope you turn it, tune in next week. I'll be continuing with my postmodernist theme. And uh, please email me with comments or questions at dand325 at msn.com. That's Dan D. D is in day. Uh, Dan D. 325 at msn.com. Thank you.